Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Best Marvel Comics Podcast, Episode 2. And in this episode, I'm going to be going through Amazing Spider-Man number 300, a little bit of a first full appearance of Eddie Brock Venom. But before we go into that, let me tell you, go over to Twitter at WS Marvel Comics. Follow us. We'll follow you back 100%. Then go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science where you can support us for the shows that we have on this feed all our other feeds that are out there dc comics manga all that but when you sign up each level gets you more and more podcasts we do a lot of shows and a lot of new shows coming up on the horizon as well right now we have probably over two thousand episodes of all our different shows and things we do and a lot of the shows are quite like the one that you're about to listen to as we go through a pretty darn good issue, a pretty cool issue. While we're recording this, you end up having the second Venom movie out, so quite timely, I I might add. But we're going to go into it right now. Again, this is Amazing Spider-Man number 300. And Amazing Spider-Man number 300 has a, a cover date of May of 1988. It is written by David Michelini, pencils and inks by Todd McFarlane, colors by Bob Sharon, and letters by Rick Parker. Pretty cool cover. This is a special 25th anniversary issue, a big 300 issue. So you have a bunch of 300s all around in red, and in the middle of the cover there is a circle with Spider-Man in the black and white suit swinging over the New York City cityscape. And when you get to the next issue, you're going to kind of ape this cover, but with a, a significant change that we'll get to by the end of this episode. But we're going to be talking about Amazing Spider-Man number 300. So what better way to start than talk about the end of 299, right? Because at the end of issue 299, you ended up having a crazy cliffhanger where Mary Jane is coming back to the Chelsea apartment that her and Peter share. And she goes into the room and ends up seeing what she thinks is Peter in the dark. You end up seeing the black and white costume. You see the symbol. You see the eyes. And she's wondering why Peter's sitting there in the dark. All the lights are out. He's just sitting there. Hey, what's going on? What are you doing? This is kind of weird. And then she notices whoever this is, is breathing really heavy. And then all of a sudden, a mouth opens with a bunch of teeth, something that Peter's mask does not do. She's aware of that. So all of a sudden, she just says, oh, my God, as Venom. So it just says, hi, honey, I'm home. And then you get next issue, a special double length shocker. Don't miss Venom. Then you get to issue 300, and I like the play of this because you don't see what happened. You have no idea. So the wait to see, did Mary Jane get killed? Did she get kidnapped? What's going on? When you get to issue 300 and open it up, it's seemingly only seconds since that cliffhanger because Mary Jane is cowering in the corner. She's saying, don't come near me. Please don't touch me. And you see a shadow coming towards her that definitely looks like it would be the venom mask on and it says in the narration her name is mary jane watson parker but she doesn't know that at this moment she knows almost nothing 
for her mind has been harshly numbed, all thought cruelly drowned in an all-crushing tide of primal fear, an emotion that may never fully fade. So yeah, Eamon set up big stakes, the idea that she might be insane. She might have been driven insane by this and saying that it may never fully fade. That's pretty tough stuff, as you see. And you can kind of guess right away, she doesn't, but it's something's different. This is Peter, who's actually come home. Venom seems to be gone. She's cowering in the corner. And you have Peter in still the black and white custom. Like, what's wrong, Mary Jane? Stay away. Stay away. No more. It's like, but but it's me. What What's happening? She's like, me? And he takes off the mask, and it's Peter. So this is Peter. And she's like, oh, my God. Peter gets up and starts hugging him, crying and upset, and says, oh, my God, he was in the apartment waiting for me, and he looked just like you. Peter's like, me? What? No, like Spider-Man. But it was different. He was really bulky, like a big weightlifter. He asked where my boyfriend was, so he doesn't even know that we're married. I don't know what's going on. Peter's real, obviously real concerned. Did he hurt you? What's happening? We got to get you to the doctor. We got to check out things with this. And she does then say, oh, my God, and the mask, it grew teeth. Oh, my God, I don't know what's going on. She doesn't want to go to the doctor, though. She tells Peter, no, I'm not going to go to the doctor. I just we have to get out of this apartment. I, I got to get somewhere. I can't stay here right now. And he says, OK, well, we'll get a hotel, says I'll, I'll go pack a bag. And he's really disturbed. And he's not just disturbed because somebody came in and threatened his wife, uh, broke into the thing. What he's concerned about is how much it has affected Mary Jane, how scared she is, because he says she's one of the strongest people I know. And for her to be this scared, this has to be something crazy big, right? So you end up where he says, what kind of monster could do that to her? And we get the progression answer. The kind that currently crawls up the sheer wall of the South Bronx tenement, the kind that has just come home. And you end up seeing Venom going through the window into an apartment that's pretty much a wreck. It's just a bunch of weightlifting equipment. You can even see there where there are a bunch of newspaper clippings on the wall in a crazy way. Right there, There's sometimes where you put posters You're, you're a kid Hey I'm going to put this poster here and that poster Even when I was a kid I was really into hockey So I would get Hockey Digest And I'd cut out some pictures and put them on there And that's not this This isn't that type of fanboy type of deal And leading into this We actually have seen that wall The wall of weird there With all of these things going on So when you end up seeing Venom come into the room You're like okay And this is you know part of the reveal where comes in and goes through the lighting into a shadow, comes out the other side, and you get Venom, Shadow, Eddie Brock. Eddie Brock comes in, and again, not everything is being revealed, but to talk through this, we'll assume that everybody knows a little bit that Eddie Brock is Venom, so we'll go. And ends up talking to his other, talking about, you know, well, we had to go, the the girl was screaming, and we didn't need her anyway, we need the the guy, we need Spider-Man, we gotta figure out where he is, and in the meantime, says, yeah, you know, you're pretty tough there, old symbiote, but I have to bulk up, this is his big thing of bodybuilding, and I'm telling you right now, the amount of weight that he is lifting here, he's bench pressing, would probably send him through that floor, But he says, I have to be bulked up. That's what I'm going to do. You have your powers. I'm going to have mine so that we can go for the kill. And I like the 
back and forth, how this progresses, how you go from one scene to the next. It's done so, so well, because then we go back to Peter. They have gone to the hotel. Mary Jane, thankfully, is sleeping. I think that she's pretty much just passed out from the sheer exhaustion and shock of it. Peter can't sleep. He's trying to figure out what is going on from Mary Jane's description. And the only thing he can think it could be is his old costume, the symbiote. And you get a flashback. You get a background of the symbiote suit. And it's done really well, especially because this is a 300 issue. You're changing a lot of things. They're aware that maybe some people would jump into this and not know all the history of it. And it's a real concise, quick history. Hey, I was on that Beyonder thing. It says, you know, see Secret Wars number nine. I got this costume. I thought it was really keen. I took it back to Earth because, man, it's great. I can just, in a thought, end up having costume on, costume off. Doesn't mention it, but even later talks about the idea. Seemingly unlimited webbing. You know, you don't have to change the cartridge. It's not going to wear out. But when he comes back, he goes and talks to Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastic. And Reed figures out that it's a living being, a symbiotic being that is trying to bond with Peter. You know, host symbiotic relationship. Peter doesn't want that. And they end up using a sonic blaster to get the symbiote down and capture it. But the symbiote escapes. And it came after Peter again, trying to bond permanently. And he ends up going to the famous church where he gets near the big giant church bells. And that is able to dissipate the symbiote. He thinks it was dead. He's saying, obviously, I think that my thoughts that it was dead are premature. I don't know. We're going to have to figure this out, especially that it's come back to get Mary Jane and the idea of does it have a host is it going so he is really concerned with all of that as he ends up looking out the window pensively trying to and Mary Jane wakes up says what's going on what's happening there tiger and Peter he apologizes and it's a a really nice thing where he says listen I thought that my secret identity would protect you and others uh, and obviously it didn't and she says, listen, I said I'd marry you. I said I'd do. And that was for better or for worse. So it's not a problem. We'll deal with this. Now, in a little bit, you do end up having them go visit Aunt May. I'm I'm concerned that he doesn't think of Aunt May right away. That, oh, my God, this, you know, symbiote came to get Mary Jane. But he he doesn't have any idea of what it knows, what it doesn't, all that stuff. But. If it knows Mary Jane, boyfriend, sort of thing like that, even though they are married, I think that I might give a call to Aunt May and say, you might want to go to a hotel yourself and kind of lay low. But he ends up finally being able to go to sleep. He does go to sleep. He wakes up the next morning, and there is Mary Jane. She's already up. She's on the phone. And Peter ends up saying, oh, I hope you aren't calling room service because I see what I want for breakfast. And I'm like, mm, gross. She's there in her negligee. There's there's a lot of sexy moments here between Peter and MJ. But she says, no, no, no. I was talking to a realtor. Uh, we got in. We got into the Bedford Towers. Remember, we were on that long waiting list. But somehow we jumped the list. We are in. We're going to be able to move out. I don't want to go back to that Chelsea apartment ever again. What happened? I'd never be able to be able to sleep there. Anything. So things are looking up now. Isn't that great? Now we find out. 
later in about eight issues that the reason she was able to jump this line is because of an obsessive fan, a guy who's so obsessed with her, a Jonathan Caesar who makes sure that he kind of finagles things because he wants to get near Mary Jane. But at this point, everything's fine. Everything's coming up. MJ and Peter, they're going to go off to do that. But when they end up, it's a weird thing. Mary Jane says, can you go get your camera? Because I want to take before and after pictures of the apartment. Never heard of this. I actually have moved a couple times myself. Now, again, I'm not a guy who's like nostalgic or, or does this sort of thing. But the idea that you go into an empty apartment, take pictures of the empty apartment, and then you take the pictures again when you bring your stuff in. I don't know. I've never heard of it. But she wants Peter to do this. He actually mentions and It's funny when they get or try to get technical with Peter being a photographer where he's like, yeah, I'll get my SLR camera. And then it has the editor's note. That single lens reflex camera. Oh, thank you. But he has to go over to the apartment. Now, what would he think about this? He'd think that the symbiote Venom would be waiting for him. So before he does go to the apartment, Chelsea apartment, he ends up swinging by and checking out the Fantastic Four and get that sonic blaster that was able to take down the symbiote before. Mainly, you know, it worked before. It'll work again. I got to make sure that I don't end up coming into this apartment and just getting destroyed. He goes in. There's no problem. There's no symbiote. He gets there. He gets his camera, starts thinking about how he liked that apartment. It was a dump, but it was our dump, things like that. And, you know, that's something that you would do. And then he gets dressed. He's like, okay, well, I think that I'm going to get dressed in my regular clothes. And, oh, there's a message on the phone, the answer machine. He hits it. And it's Aunt May. And Aunt May ends up not being, it's funny because she's playing off the idea that she's not good with technology. You know, those newfangled answering machines or those newfangled telephones, because really that's all she's doing is calling on the telephone. And she messes up her call and gets so upset and then just hangs up because she says, hi, kids, this is Aunt May just calling to remind you about dinner tonight. Chicken and dumplings at 7 p.m. short. I, I mean sharp. Oh, fooey. I hate these contraptions. Click. I, I want to think that she's just so old that she thinks that she's now lost her soul into the answer machine. It's like when Peter would go, hey, can I take a picture? No, no, my soul. All right, mate. You're so old. It, it's funny, too, because my mom had a similar deal, but it was when everybody went to, like, voicemails on cell phones. My mom still thought that you could hear her. And she just, I'd get so many messages. Jimmy, pick up the phone. I know you're there. I'd have to call her back. I'm like, Mom, first off, I don't like talking to you. Second, nobody can hear you. You're on a, you know, a voicemail. There's no machine there listening. And uh, then I think she said, everybody's listening. The government has eyes on us. I'm like, all right, go back to talking about your lizard men. So you end up where Peter puts on his street clothes to go out. And as he's going through the crowd outside the apartment and walking, he senses something's wrong, but it's not spider sense. He ends up even saying, it's not spider sense, but I feel like somebody's following me, like I'm being watched. It's weird. He can't shake that feeling. So because of this, he even says, you know, to be safe, rather safe than sorry. He does duck into an alley. Well, we see then that Eddie Brock is tailing him, but it's, Easy to tell when you're in New York City and everybody's walking around, you can kind of blend in. When Peter goes into the alley, 
that's not so easy to just like walk in. So he says, okay, I got to give him a little bit. I got to give him some time before I end up going in there. And then when Eddie goes in, no, Peter, Peter's gone. He disappeared. He's like, oh my God, what? He's gone. And this is where you have to go and think about what exactly does Eddie know? Because what he knows, he goes to the Chelsea apartment to find Mary Jane because of the idea, oh, your boyfriend. But what does that mean? Because the symbiote knows some things. Eddie's knowing it from it. But obviously, it's not as much because if Eddie went in and went like, oh, man, he must have gotten the suit on. Like, Does he know? Is he just following Peter Parker here? So you end up where Peter is zipping around and... He says it's better to be safe than sorry. I got to go. At least we didn't have any problems here. I didn't run into that symbiote stuff. Now, I want to point out one thing as well. One of the things about, you know, the the Spider-Man run at this point is obviously Todd McFarlane's awesome, awesome art. And I remember before I even started reading Marvel stuff, my man Eric Shea from the DC Comics podcast, who was more of a Marvel kid and loved Spider-Man. He always would tell me, and I never really checked it out too much, but he'd always say the reason why and the thing that really got him with Todd McFarlane, I think a lot of people say this as well, are the intricate webbings. The idea that the webbing is all, you know, tangled up and things that really does look like a webbing. And it's really cool. And in this panel where Peter goes, it's really prominent right there. And it looks awesome. The whole issue looks incredible. Well, you end up then from that where Peter then goes off to the new Bedford Towers, you know, condominium residence. Mary Jane's already waiting there. She's dressed all sexy for him and like, hey, take the pictures of all of these empty rooms. All right, let's do this. Okay, here's this empty room. He's taking the pics. And he says, when I first moved into our apartment, like, I thought that this was the best. I thought that the world was my oyster because I actually had my own place. This is like a palace, and I'm telling you, this is this is a fancy, fancy apartment. Obviously, Peter, throughout all the times, the little occasional times he ends up having some money, but most of the time he's really scrounging, you know, rubbing nickels together and things. Obviously, he cannot afford this, but Mary Jane can. She's a model at this point, very well paid. She's going to do this, and. I like the idea that Peter doesn't necessarily full out say, man, I'm I'm really mad that I can't pay for this. And Mary Jane realizes, though, Peter thinks it at points that he wishes he could. Um, but I like this relationship where she is not. Now, later, I'll tell you, I've been married 20 plus years. Later, who knows what would have happened when you start throwing shade at each other about who's paying more. It happens. But she ends up saying, you know what? Why don't you get a new job? I mean, you're still just taking pictures, the Spider-Man stuff, the whole daily people. Why don't you take fashion pictures? You're, you're a photographer. I, I, and she must know. She's, she's a model. She sees what these guys are making and all this. And this is probably the funniest scene in the whole thing. And I want to say what I really like about this issue, you end up having a very, very dark thing with the symbiote, with Eddie Brock Venom. But then you also have these really nice moments of, and it's the thing, this is why people wanted Nick Spencer to get rid of One More Day, because it's really nice, the married parts. But there's also some humor in this as well. It really is a roller coaster ride of emotions. Peter cracks me up because he ends up knowing the trope. He knows the cliche of being a fashion photographer. He's obviously seen some movies 
where they have done it and it's over the top because she says, oh, you should be a fashion photographer. And he's like, I, I don't have any experience for that. That's pretty tough. I don't. It's like, listen, it's easy when the model is me. And she starts posing. Peter starts. It's so over. he goes, OK, OK, hey. Okay, talk to the camera, baby. Yeah. And I'm going to say the exact words. He's pretty much Austin Powers out of nowhere. And he's like, that's it. That's hot. All right. Make me want you. Get it on. All right. Think Cosmo. Think. And then realizes just how ridiculous he's being. And he kind of is like, oh, my God. He says, maybe we should get a wind machine. And then just kind of slumps over and leans against the wall and goes, oh, heck, I'm not cut out for this. This is I feel silly. I feel silly. And I can't picture Peter being a fashion photographer, but I really want to see it with this version of Peter, this over the top crazy version. Well, Mary Jane thinks, well, okay, you feel silly, whatnot, but maybe this will inspire you. Maybe we should take some for our private collection. Pretty much strips down. And he's like, oh, my God. And the funny thing is, again, the narration wants to give you a wink, wink, a little double entendre where it says, slowly, Peter's spirits begin to rise. I'm like, really? Pretty quick. I mean, seriously. But we then shift over to the dinner. Remember, it's chicken and dumplings. It is. I like chicken and dumplings. I'm in the Pennsylvania area just outside of, like, the... Pennsylvania Dutch deal and that's a huge Pennsylvania Dutch meal really anything that has like thick noodles and a lot of like sauce and stuff is pretty much Pennsylvania Dutch there but they're they're talking and you, you get a little bit of a back and forth between May and old Nathan Lebensky he says oh they look because oh don't they look healthy oh yeah they look healthy but it's, we haven't seen your nephew and since he's been married this is ridiculous it's not really mary jane and peter's fault now again peter would always have problems you know getting to things that he was supposed to do commitments and things like that but this is different because aunt may then scolds nathan and then goes out says i gotta go rinse the, the dishes she takes them out mary jane as i'll help no 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 you stay here with your husband it's this weird distancing that aunt may Seems to be doing and it seems even with the art seems like it makes her sad But you wonder why what's going on? Well, mary jane realizes there's something wrong and says i'm gonna go into the kitchen Okay, peter i'm gonna go talk to aunt may and she goes in There's aunt may You know soaking scrubbing the dishes that sort of thing And mary jane says, you know since we've been married you you don't really come and see us. You've never come to visit us in our apartment. And this is the first time you've invited us over. Now, usually what you would do or what a writer might do is think the idea that it, Mary Jane, oh, is it me? Are you mad we got married? But you know that Aunt May is not mad about that and loves Mary Jane. That, I think, is why it's more confusing to MJ. Like, what's going on? Well, the thing is, is that Aunt May seems to be reading you know, some of those magazines, Reader's Digest. I don't know. It's more like Teen Beat, maybe, she's gotten. Because she says, I just want your marriage to work, and so many couples get split apart by nosy relatives who try to run their lives for them. And it's so, it, it's a nice moment. Like, you have Aunt May, work, but we know, and Mary Jane said, that's never going to happen. It's Aunt May. And she says, oh, my God, don't say that. We both love you. And Peter, 
both of us would be crushed if you were out of our lives. You're dropping out of our lives right now. We need you. We love you. Please. We're moving in to that big new apartment. Please tell me you'll come over and visit right away. And it's so nice. It's almost like uh, weights lifted off of Aunt May. And she runs out in the other room and hugs Peter and says, Peter, if I'm not the first guest to ask to the new house, I'll have the Gray Panthers pick at the place so fast. It'll make your head spin. And you end up, Peter's all excited and like, I'm going to get the invitation engraved tomorrow. You'll get it. And then you go off again, this light and dark back and forth that's really, really cool in this says, but tomorrow is a day away. And we go off to the Our Lady of Saints Church in Lower Manhattan where we see Eddie Brock and he goes up to the altar. And this is where it all started. He says this is where it's all going to end. And he's there and you get a really quick deal. And I think this is to show everybody if you just joined in, if you're just reading this issue, like, yeah, that symbiote's not nice. And if you mess with Eddie, if you mess with Venom, you might end up dead. And you get this cop come in. They've broken into a church. It's it's after hours, right? Uh, and so comes in and says, hey, put your hands up. Oh, my God, I just found you. And they've been looking in some piece of crap. I mean, piece of crap has been stealing money out of the poor boxes. So the money where people are donating to go to the poor, somebody has been breaking into churches and stealing this. Times are tough, but still, that that's a bold move there. Uh, and Eddie says, really? You think that's what I'm about? Like, And plus, Eddie is huge. I mean, really, this weightlifting has really, really made him buff. But the cop draws the gun. Big dude. So he says, you know, hey, uh, you broke the lock. I got to look into this and all. And you really get the idea where Todd McFarlane tells a layer of the story. It's not just the dialogue. The layer is this cop, he looks about 12. I mean, he is young, a new cop on the beat, all that sort of thing. You can imagine that he is working nights because he's got to work the seniority stuff. All these things go through my mind about how excited, oh, man, I'm going to be a cop in New York City. Maybe his family were all cops. And he just runs into the wrong guy at the wrong place because Eddie's like, well, you're going to leave me no choice. And you end up seeing the symbiote come out of the bottom of his pant leg and just goes and envelopes the cop as you end up having a part of it go on Eddie's hand and he ends up spinning the web over on the gun. It ends up tying up the gun. This kid dies. This, This police officer suffocates and dies. And then the symbiote goes back to Eddie and you end up Eddie saying innocent death is always unpleasant, but nothing must stand in our way. Nothing must block our righteous revenge. And by all that sacred, nothing will. So it does give you that desperation, that idea that no matter what, this poor young cop just died because he walked in. Eddie, I mean, you could have knocked him out or whatever, but what do you do? Because this is where... They're going to do their big thing. This is where they want to lead Spider-Man and end up killing him at the spot where he ended up trying to get the symbiote killed. Eddie has a connection, all this stuff in this church. So they had to kill him. You go back then, again, like I said, dark light. You end up going back to everybody helping Peter and MJ move into the new apartment. And it is it is a who's who. Right, you got Robbie Robertson, you got Flash, you you got Harry. I love too because the idea that Harry's hair and Norman's is so wacky, 
I always want to, I talk about it all the time on the regular podcast, but it always feels like I'm saying that and that's something that people like, oh, like, look at him. He just doesn't like it. Like, it's so accepted, this hairdo, that at points looks like cornrows. At other points, it looks like somebody's tilling a field. Finally, I get a, you know, like soul in this where this guy, he has the craziest hair ever. He looks like he is probably a guitarist in a punk band, but, you know, punk rock type deal going on. He looks at Harry's hair and goes, man, look at this hairdo is radical. I'm like, it is. It really, really is. And this is a nice scene because you get. Some of Peter's friends, but you also see that a lot of people that Mary Jane works with, they are enamored with her, that she's so nice. And I like this idea that they end up getting so many people. Usually if I move, I, I invite five people. I say I'm going to buy I'm going to buy pizzas. I'll get beer if you want it, all that. And that just sits there. And I don't drink, so the beer lasts right. Nobody shows. I get a lot of maybes. I send an evite. Maybes mean no. I've realized this over time. All these people are helping, and you even get Peter's old neighbors, Candy, Randy, and Bambi. There's a lot of call-outs. There's a lot of cool things. Also, you get Robbie, who's just walking around, can't do anything without smoking that damn pipe. Um, But, yeah, they're all getting everything together. They're bringing all the stuff in. Everybody seems to be having a good time. Robbie finally probably like, hey, hey, pipe, get out in the balcony. You're stinking up the place. And even the idea that he is smoking the pipe in this new apartment, it's just, I don't know, Robbie does what Robbie wants to do, but he goes out and he's there and Peter joins him. Just as Mary Jane brings out sandwiches, her and Sandy, the, I believe, uh, the makeup artist, uh, ends up, hey, we made some sandwiches, here you go. And it, they're fancy sandwiches, I'm telling you. For what this is, they have the olives on the top with, with the toothpick. I've never actually at home, maybe a diner, but never in somebody's home or my own had a sandwich where somebody went through the trouble of putting the olive on the top with the thing. I think that that means that's love right there. And you end up where Peter is talking on the balcony to Robbie and talking about, you know, what are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do? Are you going to step it up? Do you want to keep doing this stupid photography stuff? And Peter ends up, well, you know, I have been thinking maybe I'd like to get back into science. That was always my first love. That was always the thing I did. And seems like he's pushing, like, maybe I'll go back to college. Maybe I'll go and do something like that. But while he's talking to Robbie, luckily Robbie is looking at Peter because over Peter's shoulder, he sees Venom swinging through the city. And he's like, what the crap? Oh, my God. I get, Hey, uh, you know, I got to get going. I'm going to go off for a while. I'll be back. And Robbie's like, hey, you need any help? I can help you. I think he's just trying to, like, anything better than trying to bring all this crap. Mary Jane, at one point when they are taking the pictures of the empty rooms, you end up having her say that they, I'm so glad it's so big. But Peter's like, oh, my God, it's a cathedral in here. It's so big. I'm not going to get used to this. And she says, oh, we need this room for all my clothes. I can imagine it's the clothes brigade has started. Robbie's like, anything's better. And Peter's like, no, no, no. I have to go and get this alien symbiote. Seems to be. He's like, seriously, I'll go with you. I will rather do that than bring in all Mary Jane's clothes. Seriously. But he ends up going off. Again, you see some really cool webbing going on as Peter in the black and white suit is chasing down Venom. 
And he has the sonic blaster on his back, all that stuff going on. And he ends up seeing Venom go into a abandoned building. And that kind of tracks with the idea, okay, I'm going to see where he's going. Oh, abandoned building. I, I can see that that's where he would go. So this doesn't end up meaning anything like, oh, my God, it's a trap or anything to Peter. It is. Now, the big thing, again, is that there's no Spidey sense going off in any of this. He figures it out. But that's a problem because the idea where Peter, I think at this point, he's relying too much on it. Like he thinks, okay, Venom goes in that window. I'm going to go through the exact same window and get him. And when he does, he gets walloped. And remember, this is, and he says it at one point, he's fighting a symbiote. That has all of his abilities, but he's also fighting Eddie Brock in this where Eddie Brock is humongous. He is a a beefcake. He is. So they have the upper hand. Now he has the sonic blaster. That's the big thing. But when he gets hit, it ends up getting knocked away from him. And you end up where, you know, Venom comes down and says, welcome to my neighborhood, Spider-Man. Would you, could you be my neighbor? And that is Peter's like, this guy's insane. This guy's nuts. Any crazy guy like that that's quoting Mr. Rogers has to be off his rocker. Oh, my God. But I have to get to the blaster. He keeps singing this. I have to get to the sonic blaster. Now, luckily for Peter, you're going to end up having Eddie Brock go through a history. And lucky for the readers, because we're going to find out why and how. And this is the reveal. It's Eddie Brock. Because the, the mask goes. You end up, Peter's trying to figure out who could this be, what's going on. and dissipate and he recognizes him. He's like, oh my God, it's Eddie Brock. And it's funny, he yells, Eddie Brock. And Eddie says, oh, you see my picture in the Daily Globe. Indeed, I used to be Eddie Brock before you stole my career, erased my future, obliterated everything I've lived for. Now we're to the nitty gritty. Why is Eddie Brock so obsessed? We know that the symbiote is kind of butthurt here because Peter did not, and pretty much it's, you know, nothing's more powerful than the wrath of a scorned symbiote type deal. Peter didn't want the symbiote. It goes off and finds somebody who has that same hatred for Spider-Man. And Eddie, though, describes what's happening. And a while back, you end up having in the spectacular Spider-Man 107 to 110. It even spells it out that he worked for the Daily Globe. He had a really popular column. Hey, and this is why Peter recognizes him. And he says, you know, I was on that Sin Eater deal. The Sin Eater murders were going through the city, and I had the scoop. I ended up having an expose because the Sin Eater ended up coming to me and confessing, but would let me know what's going on. So I didn't give up my source, but it was email Greg. Now, if you know the idea about the Sin Eater, you're like, wait a second. That name's not right. That's not Stan Carter, and it isn't. And this is a guy, Emo Greg who was a bit insane and thought he was the Sin Eater. They end up explaining at one point that, you know, you end up having Stan was in the next room. And when Stan Carter would talk about stuff of being the Sin Eater, and then you'd end up having Emil hear this and think in his deluded mind that these were visions and things like that and really did think that he was the Sin Eater at a point. One point, he's kind of the ghost of the Sin Eater later. But you end up where... Eddie has all these stories, the Sin Eater, Sin Eater, and everybody came to him then, the police, the FBI, everybody said, you have to reveal your source. So he says, okay, I'm going to reveal the source, but I'm going to reveal it in a huge front page article 
for the Daily Globe, Sin Eater Revealed. And ends up, it's Emo Greg, this, he's taken in. But then, a little bit after that, very quick, he said for about a half hour, people were applauding me for this. But Spider-Man then is able to capture and reveal and take down the real Sin Eater, Stan Carter, which made all of, everybody thought they were duped then. Eddie Brock, oh my God, he didn't do his research. Now, I understand the idea that this is something, but this happens. I mean, really, with the idea that Eddie should have thought on his feet and kind of twisted and turned it around to be now a story of why a man would want to say he was something you could have done. But he was just fired immediately. The globe became a laughingstock. He was fired. Now all he can do is work for tabloids, probably doing stuff with Bat Boy living in the basements. You know, Lizard Men, my mom's probably reading it and love it. Oh, it's the world news it is. And he just immediately ended up, you know, that anger went right to Spider-Man. Spider-Man ruined my life. Spider-Man did this. Spider-Man did that. Now, with that, a lot of times you end up having this sort of story, and it is really, really misplaced anger. Uh, it, it is here, but really... If Spider-Man didn't end up finding Stan, they would have maybe been able to ease out of this. But the big thing is just Eddie's like, if it wasn't for you, I would have been okay. Now, while all this is going on, Peter's still inching more and more towards the Sonic Blaster. And then Eddie keeps going and it's like, yeah, you know, I was shattered. I read somewhere that they said you could work out, lift weights, that'll blow off some steam. All it did was make me bulkier and angrier. I'm thinking maybe you got a little steroids, a little, you know, help. And he said, as I was doing the dumbbells, I was thinking of strangling you by the throat. Then when I hit the heavy bag, it was like I was punching your face to a pulp. I'm like, you really have some anger there, Eddie. And every time you'd see headlines, Spider-Man this, Spider-Man that, he would end up getting mad and he hung him on the wall, which we saw. He hung him there just to keep reminding himself of how much. He hates Spider-Man. Look at that Spider-Man. He's still allowed to do what he does. But look at me. I'm a wreck. And decides that he's going to kill himself. It's that bad. His life is in a shambles. He's going to kill himself. But he is a religious guy. If he does that, he's not going to go to heaven. I'm telling you at this point, with this anger, you're going to have to maybe go to limbo a little. I don't know. And and what is going on now? You don't even think about it, Eddie. But he goes then. And instead of going to kill himself, he goes to the church and wants to pray. And he wants to act He wants to ask for forgiveness. He wants to ask for guidance, things like that. And that's when the symbiote found him. You know, match made in heaven and hell here where the symbiote comes and they bond and fully bond with the idea of their hatred of Spider-Man. Now, it doesn't say it in this and later you find out more details as they add stuff to these things that happen. It happens all the time. The idea that he also found out he had cancer. This makes it more of like, okay. I'm going to just end it now. But he, like I said, he decides not to. And that's where he just wants to just destroy Spider-Man. He wants to kill him. And that's when Peter jumps for the gun. He jumps in. I mean, once you end up having the guy saying, you know, I, I lured you here. I was bait for you to come in. Now I'm going to just destroy you. You got to jump for the gun then. And he does. But. You end up having, and all this time, you ended up having actually Eddie's face. Well, now the symbiote deal over his face is full out venom. Ends up doing, you know, that crazy move that real big guys do where you end up clasping your hands together. It's like an Andre the Giant deal and use it as a club to pound into the ground. And it actually ends up 
breaking the floor and heater goes flying through the, the gun comes down the sonic blaster comes down with them but he is being just beat up he is being destroyed at this point eddie jumps down venom is kicking peter in the face he's going and i like the idea here where you did have that big setup at the beginning even where mary jane it wasn't like you it had these teeth and whatever and you really do use throughout this the teeth is the tell also the bulkiness but the teeth that's how you can really tell who is Peter and who is Eddie. And they're going. And, and actually, Peter's more agile, so he can use that. He zips around, and he's got Venom in a chokehold. But Venom, Eddie, too, too powerful, too big. Peter has to grab this huge bar, this huge like metal girder, and picks it up and just boom, right off the head of it. It doesn't knock him out. It ends up sending him. Away from him to get enough space, pulls out the sonic blaster and shoots Venom, shoots him. And as he shoots him, you see the symbiote going off of him. But when you go to the next page, you get a good page turn where it's not fully leaving him. Peter is upset. He's like, this should have driven the symbiote away. This should have done the trick. But it seems like there's always this bond. It seems like the bond is fully done. It's not leaving Eddie. It won't. And he ends up realizing a couple things here. First off, that's why he says, I didn't get any sort of spider sense. He didn't get it from the suit. He didn't get it from the symbiote when he had the symbiote. And now that it's bonded fully with Eddie, Eddie is pretty much that alien symbiote now. They are combined. It's not going to set off you know, the spider sense. But the other thing he realizes, too, if I want to end this now, I'm going to have to kill Eddie Brock. And he says, I don't know if I can do that. I'm not ready for that. So I I wonder why he decides to do what he does, though. He basically just throws the sonic blaster like, hey, you didn't work, throws it down on the ground and leaves. He just like, I'm going to have to regroup. I'm going to have to think this out. Now, regrouping better be calling everybody he knows. And I'm not talking like calling people to help move into your apartment. I'm talking you're calling the Avengers. You're calling everybody that you know in that to come and just help. But he doesn't get that far. He thinks that Eddie is passed out, that he knocked him out with that sonic blaster. Yeah, it hurt him, but he recovers pretty quick and ends up. And I like this progression. As Peter you know, goes to the window, he ends up zipping the line, and he goes off to swing away. And Eddie Venom runs to the window himself and then shoots the web and gets Peter on the bottom of a shoe and yanks him back. So when he yanks him back with that force, as you have Peter come flying into that apartment, the abandoned apartment deal, you end up he punches him. And it's just like the immovable object and unstoppable deal. I mean, boom, he just demolishes him in a big whoop that is Kind of like a cartoony, balloony type thing, but it works. Because as you go, you see that Peter point of view as you're heading right towards the fist of Eddie Brock Venom. And out cold. He is out. And we go then where he wakes up and he is in the church bell with so much webbing keeping him to the inside rim of the bell. And you see what's going on. You end up seeing in a really like demonic deal where Eddie Brock now has made the symbiote into a black priest's robe 
And he's pretty much, you know, giving the last rites to Spider-Man here. And one of the things that I like about this, too, is the idea a lot of times you would have this villain say, okay, I'm going to kill you. But before I do, let's see who you are, right? He kind of maybe no, but he doesn't care about that. Spider-Man needs to die. Let's kill Spider-Man. And the big plan then is, okay, when the clock strikes midnight, the church bells go and you're going to get the big giant ball in the middle of the deal. It's going to swing and it's just going to keep smashing you. And the, you know, it's poetic justice is what Eddie Brock Venom thinks because of the idea that Peter used the same exact bell thinking that he had killed the symbiote. Now with that, he says, eventually it'll go through you and then it'll end up, you know, making noise that we don't like. So I'm not going to sit here and watch you. It's a way for, and it always happens, where, okay, I'm not going to watch you get eaten by the sharks with lasers. I'm going to go off and I'm going to have lunch. I'll come back. It just gives the opportunity for the hero to break out. But you have Peter struggling, and all of a sudden you hear the line down the, it's hit midnight, all the bells are, are ringing, and all of a sudden you end up seeing the ball going it's the clapper is what it's called you know clap on the clapper but when the clapper starts swinging back and it's going to go and hit peter the only thing he can think to do is to try to break this and i'm telling you the amount of webbing that he is in that you ended up having eddie brock venom put on is unbelievable that plays out in a little bit as well but he is able to at least break his hand out and he stops the ball with his hand he says, I can't keep doing this, so I have to figure out something else or I'm going to end up a pulp. My hand's going to get broken, and then it's going to hit me. So the next time the clapper comes, he does grab onto you know, the pole that goes up into the bell. It's a pretty good plan, and it works out. It, it, and again, I like the idea that you're doing this, and you're not trying to make it something so extravagant that you're like, how did that happen? It's just that he grabs that pole part, and then it yanks him out going to the other side. He still is a little worse for wear. He's still kind of hurting. He kind of stumbles. And that's where Eddie comes up and's like, I don't hear any bells ringing. What's going on? Oh, no, you got out. That's not fair. That's against the rules. All right, you're going to have to be punished. And now, again, it, it's fight on. I mean, it's going to be a big fight here as you end up. They're beating the crap out of each other. But what Peter realizes is the idea and he goes back to his experience with the symbiote the idea that the symbiote and we said it before one of the reasons why he was so enamored with this alien suit is that he didn't have to worry about the webbing and he ends up saying that they tried to figure out what it was what it was and puma ended up figuring it out and saying that it was something coming from the the symbiote itself it was organic but there has to be a limit and the idea that Eddie went so ham on that webbing inside the bell means that maybe it's going to take a little bit of time to replenish. But what he, what Spider-Man thinks is, I have to make it so he runs out. I got to end up, we'll swing around, but I got to keep doing it so that he runs out. And what you have him do, he grabs from the church, the, the bell tower deal, he grabs a piece of metal, he rips it off like the canopy of it. And... He goes off and he wants Eddie to chase him and he wants Eddie to end up, you know, webbing him up. And then when he does that, he cuts the web. So then Eddie with that with the metal. And so then 
And he does it again. And now they're swinging around. You know, they each have each other. They're going around above the city. And you end up finally at the one point where Eddie then goes, attaches the webbing to Peter. He cuts that webbing and Eddie Venom fall. He doesn't have any more webbing. It ends up, you know, stopping and he ends up falling and just crashing into the street and it knocks him out. Again, at this point, please, Peter, do something quickly. You've already seen when you use that sonic blaster that Eddie recovered pretty quickly, but he runs over to a payphone and he says, I wish I could remember our number for our apartment. He, this is brand new to him. He doesn't remember the, the number for there to call Mary Jane. So he ends up calling the front desk. This guy, he looks like a hoot, a security guy, but he calls him and says, hey, listen, I just moved in. You know, I'm Mr. Parker from 8C. Can you please run a message to my wife and tell her that I am okay? Can you tell her uh, that I was doing some photograph stuff? You know, the cold deal where he keeps that a secret, whatever, but says, I'm, I'm doing something and tell her that I am fine. I will be back. And he ends up getting them, Eddie, and taking them to the Four Freedoms Plaza and the Fantastic Four. And it's funny, too, at this point, Reed isn't there. But Ben ends up, and this is a point where Thing was really, really, he had changed and he had been really rocky. I mean, this is the real rocky looking uh, thing that will change eventually back to his normal deal. But it's late and it's funny. He's in his robe and he's like, man, you could have done this at regular hours. But hey, you know, kid, I'm here for you. And they put Eddie and the Venom symbiote in a containment tube that's going to keep it from you know, going off and it's going to keep him contained until he says, and, and Thing says this, until we can find out where we can send him because they'll have to build some sort of cell up there in the, you know, he the vault at this point was that, you know, super meta prison. When the vault's ready for him, we'll transfer him there. Everything will be fine. And yeah, yeah, Peter's like, I really appreciate this. Thank you so much. He's like, well, next time do it earlier. Honey, you know, the old blue eyes needs to sleep. And so Peter now is happy. He ended up taking down Venom. We get to see who it was. It's all and you know, it all starts from here, the real big Venom stuff. So he ends up going and telling Mary Jane, I'm sorry. You know, I did what I had to. Uh, can we get over this? Are you still scared? What not? And this is a really good ending. Mary Jane, too. She's like there at the fireplace. She's cold. She's shivering still because she's still scared. I mean, even with that idea that you have Eddie Brock Venom in this containment. Mary Jane's still afraid. And she says, I can't look at that suit. That black and white suit's got to go. I can't deal with it. I hate it. Every time I see it, I get scared. You got to get rid of it. And you end up having Peter say, why have you been distant a bit? Now, with what we've had throughout this, she's been far from distant at points, right? I mean, she's been doing a lot of things there. Um, but says that I all we've been through, I don't think I'll ever feel comfortable around that costume, that black and white costume again. He's like, you know what? I think you're right. I, I don't think that I should be wearing an outfit the same as a homicidal maniac. It doesn't really thrill me either. And he takes it off and actually throws it into the fire and then says, I, I don't know what I'm going to do now. Maybe I'll just swing around in my undies. All right, you know, the amazing Spider-Man, friendly neighborhood, naked undies, Spider-Man. And she says, no, no, I got an idea. And it's kind of a cool deal that they had the packing stuff and whatnot. Though I wonder why this is like right there on the top of a box. Somebody's going in. It's like, it, it just brings up questions. But it is a Spider-Man suit. And the cool thing that it ties into 
It's the Spider-Man suit that they bought in Berlin, Germany, when Spider-Man went off to fight Wolverine in the Spider-Man versus Wolverine special. It's a store-bought type costume, but for now it'll do. She says, hey, why don't you put this on? It's like an old friend. It makes me feel good. And I like this where you end up getting Eddie Brock Venom. You reveal who it is, and then he's getting put away. And now let's get that darkness away. That's the darkness of the Spider-Man deal. People love it. But still, let's get to something fun again. Let's get to something that's classic, all that. And, yeah, he says, oh, baby, you're the greatest. It's like the honeymooners here. And he puts on the suit and goes out, and he's going through the city with the classic deal on. And then it says the legend begins anew. And that's what I was talking about when we started. The cover of Issue 301 is a mimic of the one for this, but instead of the black-white costume, you have the classic, you know, red, black, and blue deal. So it's really cool. It's a really cool way to end that, and I really like that. It is one of the best stories, and you get so much in this. And really, if you're reading it right now, again, I said it's got some synergy with what's going on in the second Venom movie, stuff like that. But what it also does, and why I also picked this for this week, is the idea that it also just gets you so sad that we don't have that that marriage with MJ and Peter because it's so nice. It's so good. And, yeah, they're, they're meant for each other. And I wish that somehow we could have gotten back to that at the end of Nick Spencer's run. I've said it on the regular podcast. It would feel weird to just have Mephisto say, okay, the deal's done, and it's no longer – because – Weird things happen then. Does Aunt May die then? You know, the identity, all those things. I just wish that Peter just remembered making the deal fully so that then him and Mary Jane could say, let's do it ourselves now. Let's get married. Let's have a kid. Let's have all that. So with all that, though, that's the end. It's an awesome issue. Check it out. It's on the, obviously, the Marvel Unlimited app. If if the Marvel Unlimited app didn't have this, then they're not going to have a lot of stuff. But they do. They're pretty good. With most of the stuff overall So yeah, check it out, read it, tell me what you think All that, I hope you enjoyed me talking about it As much as I enjoyed talking about it myself and reading it And yeah, go over to our Twitter at WS Marvel Comics Follow us, we'll follow you back And then check out our Patreon Patreon.com slash Weird Science Again, to, you know, give a little thanks to what we do here on the feed But also get a ton in return I'm not a kind of guy who ends up you know, saying, hey, come on, just support us for this, you jerk. I, I would never. And I, I want it to be worth your while to go over. I know how money is tight. It's tight for me as well. So, yeah, go over and check it out. Get a bunch of other podcasts, all that stuff going there. But thanks for listening. And I'll be back next week with another best Marvel Comics podcast. Thanks. I'll talk to you then. 